And away we go. Welcome into the dish, a fantasy baseball strategy podcast. I'm your host, Dan Strafford. Stepping up to the dish today is none other than Paul Sporer, writer and podcaster over at Fangraphs. I will say that sort of, I think, diminishes you, just writer and podcaster. You need to beef up the Twitter uh, profile. More specifically, host uh, and co-host of the Sleeper on the Bus podcast, one of, if not the best fantasy baseball podcast going. Paul, how how, how, uh, how you doing? Wow. Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you for that intro. That's very kind. I try not to uh, to overrate myself, but yeah, you know, we, we got the podcast. I love the sleeper in the bus. Um, and I am the fantasy editor over at uh, See, Fangraphs. there it is. But, fantasy it, editor. but that overstates it because I don't edit every piece. Okay. It's not like a rigorous editing process. It's just like I'm kind of making sure guys are guys and gals are staying in their lanes and and putting posting at their different times a few people i make sure to read over for them but i'm not like a hardcore editor so i, right. I try not to overrate myself all right you know? i appreciate it i but i feel like you're bad I, appreci- you're, I appreciate you overrate you're right <laughs> i greatly appreciate that um i will also say the stash is is next level uh to name grade mustache uh when it comes to fantasy baseball uh there's some bad ones out there uh, i won't name names right now but uh, the way we've been kicking I, I wouldn't off, have been, I wouldn't have been upset if you had said mine wasn't that. So I appreciate you saying well, that it's that it's good. If my Thank wife you. let me, I would grow one just to see, show you how bad mine is. <laughs> but I, I've taken some pictures in time. Well, I'll shave like every four or five days now because Zoom and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll shave it and I'll leave it and then walk out of the bathroom. My wife yells at me. She's like, "You go back, back in there. there, get back in there." Right and my now. youngest That's would really be funny. like, "Daddy's face is scary." See, um, my, my dad had a killer. That was my dad. He, my dad too. Yep. He had Magnum PI. Yep. You put a tiger's head on him, and he's Tom Selleck looking son awesome. of a gun. So I'm jealous there. But That's let's fair. continue not talk mustaches. All well, I mean, all, people. All the period. people get what they want here, Paul. Um, favorite format. I've been asking everybody as they join, what's your favorite format to play? Favorite scoring? Favorite draft style? It, it's definitely roto for me. Um, I've come around on head to head and points leagues. I know they're not necessarily one in the same but if i play head to head i like the points aspect of it it can be really really fun um you know you're watching sunday afternoon your guy hits a homer and you know that that's the six points that you needed to take a lead with only three more guys left or whatever that's a lot of fun uh but i really love the grind of roto roto's been what i'm playing forever speaking of my dad uh 10 team al only league that they started at his work in 1989 uh, was my first league, not in 89. I didn't join it at age eight, but I joined it at age uh, 12. I think, yeah, age 12 was when I, when I joined. And so that's what I cut my teeth on. And, you know, two catcher, AL only, 10 teamer. I mean, you know, they had corner and middle. I remember they finally got rid of middle and my dad had this hilarious rant on drafting Pat Mears and how he's tired of, of clowns like Pat Mears. So they cut middle for a little while until uh, it became more robust, right? Because this was before the era of the elite shortstop. So Roto is what I've always liked. I love the 15 team. I'm, I, I'm really big in the NFBC. I know some people are, you probably get tired of hearing about it. I understand, but they've made it affordable for, yep. you don't always have, you know, it doesn't just have to be main event. The whole NFBC pool is what i like and uh i I like the 12 teamers that they have but the 15 teamer that's my wheelhouse i love getting deep into the pool but not too deep and if you play an only league that's great too because like i said i cut my teeth on that but i like that the waiver when the waiver has something that you can improve your team with in an al or nl only it's kind of a battle of attrition there's gonna be a few gems on the wire 
but it's hard to replace anything there. So that's why I like a 15 or 12 teamer where you can actually get some stuff off the wire if you have injuries or underperformance. Yeah, Sorry, I, long, long answer. There. No, and I think it's great because uh, you did mention head-to-head and uh, Joe PCP and I talked. He may have outed that he's been trying to push you more and more towards head-to-head points play. Um, I'm big on head-to-head points all play, meaning you play every team every week. So this way you're sort I of getting like rid of that. You're getting rid of some of the luck, right? You're, I want to get- see that in, in my football leagues too. Yes, one hundred percent. I I think that's a great idea. The, things like that 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 take a little bit of that volatility out, but still keep the fun right. head-to-head aspect is cool. Because there's nothing like scoring the second most points and you played the top yep. points like that. It feels like a total waste, and those and those points just go nowhere. Yep, it, it's brutal. So I, I like that setup. You've already started to go down how you got into the industry or into fantasy sports. Um, broader sense of fantasy baseball strategy and prep you don't produce fantasy football content a lot of people are are Mm -hmm. doing all sports right or at least football and baseball maybe some basketball and hockey sprinkled in there i know you watch football so you are a fan you you watch and you're involved but you are a 365 baseball guy when it comes to fantasy baseball and the overall sport how does that play into your approach to major league baseball to the offseason to getting ready for next year that was uh that was due to a tip um you, you might be familiar with uh, rick rick wilton from uh, uh baseball hq yep. he's a big injury guy and uh we were on a call i've told the story on other pods before so apologize people that have had to hear it before we were on a call for some little offshoot magazine uh i want to say something that mark haverty was putting together mm-hmm. people might remember that name too and we were the first two on the call and he's like hey you know what do you do what, what, what's your deal and uh, i was explaining to him you know, jack of all trades i do football in the fall and and baseball in the summer he's like hey far be it for me to tell you what to do but you might consider narrowing and and finding more of a niche you know i'm I'm an injury guy that this was him speaking he was an injury guy and that's what he made his his bread and butter off of and i really took that to heart and i said you know what maybe i will narrow the focus a bit uh baseball was the choice not the most financially smart choice let's be honest (laughs) football is where the money is if there is money to be made at a a higher level uh, it's definitely football due to its popularity but baseball was such a passion for me and pitching specifically so i really took that advice to heart started focusing a lot on pitching that was something that really appealed to me was studying it and trying to be great at identifying pitchers and and you know good and bad um and so that's kind of how i got started on that that was years ago then I started with my SP guide, which was just a write-up of yep. all the starting pictures of a given year. Um, got some some notoriety off of that for some right people seeing it. Matthew Barry, Bill Simmons, to to be uh, specific. And just that name really dropping, it's it fine. Imprint. I mean, just I mean, just, listen, just it, was, it was super just super luck. <laughs> and you know, Matthew Barry, like when he first retweeted it one year, I was like, holy smokes, thank you, man. It was really really awesome of him, and he's always been great to me. And then one year, he, he messaged me, he said, hey man, great stuff on the work this year. I can't retweet you. You're officially competition. That was like the best compliment I sure. ever got from something that was telling me that they couldn't do right, something. Right, for right, me. right. You know, he's like, I'm sorry, but ESPN said you're, you're kind of you're, you're up here now. I was like, dang, that's really, really nice. And then randomly, I was listening to a Simmons pod, and uh, I mean, he was talking with a now disgraced uh, uh, Jonah Carey. Um, sure, sure. A, you know, at the time he wasn't. We didn't know he was a bag of garbage, but um, and he starts bringing up the SP guy, and I'm like. I think he's talking about me and he's like yeah there's this crazy dude who writes a hundred thousand words on starting pitchers it's absolutely insane and he's like oh yeah that's paul spore i know him and i, I was i was floored so those are two just complete strokes of luck that really help and anybody who tells you 
that uh, talks about their come up, talks about getting a lock and having some good things break their way. And those are two things that really, really broke my way that really helped. Another was just asking baseball perspectives if they needed any other fantasy people. I said, hey, do you need anybody else? They said, yeah. So then all of a sudden I'm writing for baseball perspectives, big name in yep. the industry. And it got some co-signs from some pretty big people. However you feel about them, those carried some weight. And, uh, and away we went and I turned the SP guide into something. I actually had one gambler in Vegas offer me, uh, I think it was like 70,000 or $50,000 to write the SP guide just for him and to just not publish it. And I was like, that's unreal. Like that's an amazing offer. Crazily enough, one year I actually beat the offer in sales. And I, I was just floored. Like the SP guide was definitely the thing that kind of set me off into the fantasy community. Well, and I think you, so I, this is now years ago for me, but mine was luck too. How I got onto Sirius XM was literally responding to a tweet from someone with, Hey, I'd love to write for free. And that person ended up being in the wedding party of someone I grew up with. And so it ended up being this like, and I, this guy was older. Uh, so Mark Healy is the host who, who brought me yeah, on. I know the uh, name. Uh, he was friends with this guy named Michael Puzo, who my brother was friends with. And so we're on the phone. He's talking, well, you know, what's your background? Mentioned, you know, Old Bridge. He goes, oh, wait, I know somebody from Old Bridge. And then it became a friendship. And then it became awesome. when his host left. I lived close enough. He's like, Dan, come on in. And then the rest sort of his history. Then Joe and I hosted together. And uh, when I moved, continued to do some stuff. But it, it's it's being in the right place at the right time. But I think it, further for you, Paul, is quality work, right? The quality work and the time you. put in. And then having the opportunity for for a little bit of, of luck to be mixed in there. I do going to mix up my questions here because you already mentioned pitching, right? And, Sorry. Uh, no, you're fine. I we, we, we go with the flow here. Um you made your niche there. I, you and, and Matt Modica are the two who I always associate with pitching. Uh, Modica used to have charging the mound was his Twitter Loved handle. It. Loved um, his CTM stuff. Yeah, and he was always a little bit more angry about pitching than you were. But yes, um, was, we were good. Yin, yin and yang. Exactly right. Um, what has been the biggest change to you in projecting, dissecting, understanding pitching stats from when you started really diving into that niche to what you're doing today and what the game is today? I'd say one of the biggest things, well, obviously the massive turnaround in strike or the uptick in strikeouts just year over year over right. year has fundamentally changed uh, how pitchers are uh, valued and assessed. Another thing is uh, understanding that there isn't necessarily the need for such precision on the rankings. Um, even as, you know, I talked about this as like uh, the, the globs of talent that can expand from, say, pitcher 40 to pitcher 90. Normally, if I told you I got this guy 40, you got him 90th, we're light years apart. Well, then we have a conversation. We're like, we're really not that far right. because the talent clusters have really started to uh, uh, get larger, you know, where there just isn't that much split, but you got to rank them some way. So if you got to put, you know, 50 guys that are pretty similar. And I'm in sure there ranking, are plenty of people who yell at you for your rank. Absolutely. And, you know, when they talk about like a three-point difference, I'm like, well, that a three-point ranking difference does nothing for right. me. I, like, I don't care. If you got them 57, I got them 60. We have them the same as right. far as I'm concerned. It really starts to take 10, 15, 20 ranking spots till you can really think that there's probably a difference between the two. It's different up at the top, but once you get past, like I said, pitcher 35, 40, there starts to be these big clusters of talent. And so I, understanding that and try, not trying to be so precise, like he is the 48th pitcher right. and I will not budge. Just being more open to, I got him 48. 
you got him 56. You do have to, for me, I attack the globs, right? If there's a big glob of talent, I want to find the guys that I really like. Yep. Some people like to let it come to them. They value them all the same. So I'll take the leftovers. I still like to identify guys that I think can exceed their level and find a new, uh, a new level of talent. But for the most part, we have to realize the differences between these pitchers are scanned and looking at projections a lot has helped that too. Well, we've been doing this exercise on, on the sleeper and the bus, you know, three homers, four ribbies and six points of batting average can be like a 15 point dip from one ranking to the next yep. in, in terms of a projection. And it, it, that seems so little. And so that's why we have to. So over the years, I've gotten less married to the number to the left of the guy on the ranking there and worried about the talent and what they can do uh, and what they can't do and where they can possibly go. So just being more open to the to the raw talent of players as opposed to the strict number ranking. Yeah, I love it. I think uh, largely your globs are how, and maybe larger than typical tiers, but they're tiers of talent, right? They're, they're yeah. these places where you can interchange some names, get rid of the names altogether and fire away at stats and, and get what you want. Um, and I think that's a great point. One of my sort of maturations in fantasy sports is the admission, one, I don't know anything, which is really tough for me because I really yeah, like to know same. everything. I'm a huge know-it-all, too. Um, uh, secondarily is I can't watch everybody. I, ca I just mm -hmm. can't. And so when it comes to projections, trusting people or putting the time into the math to have a general sense of what's going to happen and then making my determinations of who I like better and making my determinations of where these all come together and the pieces come together. So I think it makes a ton of sense. If you were to be starting the SP guide today, do you think you'd have a hundred thousand words to say about the current state of pitching? I'd probably have 200. Okay. <laughs> Very good. I think I'd, I think I'd go the other way. Like I, right. I still have so much to say because I, because of these talent clusters getting deeper, I'd have even more guys that yep. I want to make sure that I write about. And uh, another thing over the years, I've expanded my minor league knowledge. Yeah. Uh, when I first started, I knew like the top prospects. Otherwise I was really getting information from other folks and yep. trying to reference it. Like I read this on baseball perspectives. I read this on baseball America. Uh, you know, Keith law says this, uh, 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 Eric Long and Hagen says this. And now I've got a lot more of my own opinions from going to AFL, from, from watching video, watching MILB.TV, different things. I'm still not perfect, and I still probably start to taper off once we get past double A uh, as far as, you know, high A and low A. I still leave that to the experts because my bandwidth would be stretched right. too thin. Right. But I have a good understanding of the major league pool, triple A pool, and the double A pool. And, and I think that's that's a, a really strong foundation to be smart about the, the given pool for my preferred league too, which is 15-teamer uh, mixed league redrafts. You don't need to know the high A guy because chances are high A guy is not going to make it to the league that year. Low A guy, you don't need to know about for another couple right. of years. So that's another reason that I don't feel like I need to go that much deeper because I don't play dynasty stuff. Um, I, I respect it. I love it. But I don't have a dynasty league that I can refer to where I have to know the uh, the 18-year-old or even the 16. I know some leagues, they let you just, it's an open pool. You can draft a high schooler. If you went down the street and watched somebody throw and you're like, dang, he's throwing 90 and he's only 17, you can put him on your team. So I respect leagues like that. That's awesome. But I'm more of a redraft guy. So I keep my pool from double A and up. Yeah. And there's a point where just there's too much information. I think that's even mm -hmm. just analyzing Major League Baseball, exactly. you know, a uh, uh, paralysis by analysis where you just yep. get to a point where you have too much. And that's why I've tried to back off of advanced stats this year. And I admit that because I'm using projections. 
I'm using projections from a couple of different sources who are already using those numbers from StatCast and from these different places. So me looking at launch angle or whatever for individual projection doesn't matter. If I'm making a it's determination- It's almost like double counting, exactly, it, right? Exactly, so if I'm making a determination of who I like better, I might look at trends. And that actually brings mm -hmm. me into my next uh, question around sample size. It's a buzz phrase, I think, in a lot of uh, fantasy analysis. Oh, what's the sample size? You know, a bit sample misused at times, yeah. Just, just a tad. Um, <laughs> So I wonder, though, when doing starting pitching, for you, is there a sample size? Is there a bucket of data or a bucket of years or, or games started or appearances that you feel like is at least projectable? Is something that gives you basis enough to go forward on, or, or is it a moving target? It, it's a moving target. It depends on what you're looking at and what stats uh, are important to you uh, that, that you're trying to analyze, right? There, there are certain sample size uh, thresholds that particular stats become more viable. Now, when they say a stat has stabilized, that doesn't mean it's the truest of true. Right. This is his talent. Don't question it. It means that there's viability to what you're seeing and you can add it to the to the mix and, and, and take something from it. So that, like with strikeouts, that happens pretty quickly. So if somebody's striking out a ton of guys, uh, you know, five starts in, all of a sudden that's starting to, that's starting to pay dividends. Like that's interesting immediately there's other things that take over a season to stabilize like babbitt i believe takes like that long yep, so at least, yeah it's, it's a 120 target. or 140 something yeah so it's like what what do what you what are you really going to do with that you just got to analyze it year to year because there's defense involved and defense is always changing there's just there's just plain luck batted ball luck uh, of going in and out too so um yeah with the sample size it's always a moving target depending on what stat we're looking at there is the uh sample size uh, there was the pizza cutter, the 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 seminal work of of uh, pizza cutter. That was his name. I think it was Russell Carlton it was who it was, who told us or did all the studies on those sort of stabilization points. They've been updated. Yep. But uh, there's one on Fangraphs. I'm actually trying to find it right now. I can't offhand. But if you just look up sample uh sample stabilization points actually that's way too much <laughs> why, why would i why would i say that uh honestly sample size fan graphs i think will bring it up yes sample size fan graphs it's the top link you click on that you scroll down it's even that's a little bit older at this point 2010 but you can get an idea of what you should be looking at for example uh 70 batters face for strikeout rate so we're talking like what three starts you can start to get an idea of where they're at again it doesn't mean that's who they are for the rest of the year if they have a 35 percent strikeout rate right. but you can start to see something also the biggest key for me whenever looking at anything positive or negative is if there's a viable change did something change yep. did they lose a pitch did they gain a pitch did they alter a pitch have that have their mechanics changed is there something to bank on or is it very uh, you know standard variance um this is shifting to a hitter and I know there's kind of the narrative of Kyle Schwarber helping him. But for me, the big uh, second half run of Bobby Dahlbeck that a lot of people are citing to, to be fans of his is standard power hitter variance right. for me. Like Miguel Sano's had runs like that. Joey Gallows. Like, I think he's just standard generic power hitter, which, hey, 30 homers is right. 30 homers. But uh, I don't see a whole lot more from him because that sample uh, that he had late in the season it didn't really bear a major change to me. There were incremental changes, but I felt like it was just a hot streak of his skill set. So that's what I, I try to determine early in the year because fantasy writing is hardest earlier in the year. There's like oh, nothing 100%. to write about because you don't want to make sweeping judgments off of these tiny samples. So I look for changes. Hey, so-and-so is using this change up 
15 percentage points more than usual. Keep a close eye on that because if it's right. real, then his performance against lefties is legit. Things like that. So bottom line, it depends, which is a boring answer. I get it. But st- stabilization rates matter and the stat and changes that you're looking for matter too. Yep, uh, I, it's the boring answer, but it's what I consider it's to be true. the right yeah. one, <laughs> the, the yeah. way it goes about. And again, uh, for the individual playing fantasy baseball, there are analysts doing this, right? There are mm-hmm. analysts who are doing this research. So again, if you want to dive into numbers, by all means, right? Like if you're someone who wants to get into the industry or wants to you know, have a spreadsheet full of all sorts of things happening, by all means do it. But find your writers, find your analysts, find the people who are doing the work that you're looking to capitalize on and utilize them and and utilize them and follow them on Twitter, follow, you know, do the Patreon, uh, pay for fan graphs, which I, I luckily have done the past two years, you know, do all these things, pay for Greg Jewett's closer work. If you don't want to have to do all that analyze, uh, analyzing yourself, because listen, I I know your father, I'm not, so I'm lucky. I got, I've got extra time, but your father, while doing this in the industry, and yep. I believe, do you have a separate full-time job? I have well? a full-time gig, yeah. Yeah, so, so you know, you're super busy. So you got to be open to relying on others and people that are, you know, doing the same thing, 60 hours a week, two kids, keeping yep. their, you know, wife's relationship strong. There are avenues for it. You don't have to do it all to be good at fantasy. You can get the right tools of looking at Vlad uh, Settler's fab article, Greg Jewett's closer stuff, what we got going at Fangraphs, what's going on at Fantasy Pros. And you can get there without putting in every waking moment to it. I think if you want to do the waking moment thing, you can do that. Right, by all means. uh, But be ready for your significant other to not be happy with it. But It uh, will not go as well. (laughs) Um, I will say one, in searching sample size fan graphs, there's a post a few down that says, shut the heck up about sample size, a community (laughs) blog, which is fantastic. Uh, Secondarily, I would be remiss to also not mention that Paul is a writer on the Fantasy Black Book. Joe may revoke our friendship. Uh, if I don't mention the black book at least once an episode, uh, but I know I know you're writing on there too, so that's available over on Amazon. So as we continue this discussion, great stuff so far. When you're drafting, do you have a standard um, hit pitch target? Uh, Rudy Gamble uses that a lot. Uh, I was trying to talk to him earlier today; had some technical problems. But do you have a you know sixty forty split, sixty five thirty five, and trying to draft a team, or, or are you generally seeing where the draft goes? Yeah. I- I will lean like I, I'm. I'm not somebody who waits on pitching entirely and like gets my first guy in the eighth round. Um, I mean that that can definitely work, and it, it depends on your league type for that. I don't think it, I don't think that's going to be as effective in 15 teamers, but I'll get a couple pitchers early. But I obviously like my knowledge of the pitcher pool in the middle and later tiers yep. to feel like I don't need uh, you know three aces necessarily. So I do kind of you know stack the hitting because. I still think we underestimate um, like power production and what we need to kind of finish where you want, which I think is, you know, the, the normal goals of like, let's shoot for top three or, 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 you know, third place and everything will, will probably get you a league win. I I think the numbers on that are like 23 homers per spot to get up there. So when you take a mile straw, who's giving you two, you know, any more homers you need through the rest of your, and you know, you can balance that out with a Pete Alonzo, right? there's ways to do it, but I don't like to fall behind on that stuff because I find, I don't think power specifically is as freely available as everyone thinks. 20, 20 homers doesn't get you as far as it used to. Right. So when you're getting 20, 25 homers late, you think like, Oh, this is a boon. It's like, no, everybody's getting that. So when you gave away the extra homers earlier, you did yourself a disservice. And I'm always going to feel like, 
by and large, pitching is easier to get off the wire than the hitting too. So I want to have my hitting base stabilized as, as strongly as I can, an ace or two up front, and then working my pitching um, kind of as the year goes on, interchanging guys. You know, Adam Wainwright was an absolute god for me. He was a pickup off the waiver wire. Right. And, uh, you know, you're going to have a few guys like that every year in pitching, not necessarily in hitting. You don't always find somebody that you keep for the whole year, but you almost always do on the pitching side. So I like to make sure my hitting is strong and, and, and my pitching, obviously I want it to be strong too, but it can have a little bit more weakness to it because I feel like in season I can, I can uh, uh, improve it better than I can my hitting. Yeah, and I think you're you're playing to your strengths, right? You know where your, exactly. your knowledge base is, and I think everyone listening hopefully understands that. Play to your strengths. Play to the way you know the game, and maybe you have a little bit more insight than your player, uh, your draft uh, room. It also matters what kind of draft you're in, NFBC versus a home league versus a dynasty league and all those different uh, machinations of the way we play fantasy baseball. Um, that goes with uh, player types too, yes. right? We talk about this on the pod. If you don't want to deal with the Mondesi headache because you think it'll really, really annoy you and throw you off, then don't draft him. Yep. Absolutely not. Um, you don't want to deal with Herman Marquez, who you should probably only start half the time, and then right. and then maybe not even that because do you want to really want to send him to Dodger Stadium? Then don't draft him. Draft the guys that you're comfortable with. Um, do you like to play the waiver wire for closers? Cool. Then you can punt a little bit in the draft. But if you don't have the time or the will to do that, then make sure you get Ryan Presley and Josh Hader or something like that, you know? Yep. And that's a transitions to, to the next question about 2022 is about closers, right? So that has been one of the topics that's been out there on Twitter, on podcasts and mm -hmm. articles. Do you take the high end Hendrickson haters as of today? Fantasypros.com has them at their consensus 41 and 42 in ADP. So we're talking pretty early here comparatively. I will say there's a, a caveat that we don't know what's going on with the labor market. We don't know when the season's going to start, spring training. So there are a lot of closer roles that are sort of big question marks. So there's a little exactly. price bump on these guys, but how are you handling closers? How are you sort of maybe if you are drafting today or tomorrow, how would you go about uh, pricing and understanding their value? So I, I'm I'm somebody who drafts closers. Uh, I, I'm, I'm open to, to getting big dogs. And it's something that I want to be established because I don't want to have to deal with, right. with trying to get them in season, because here's the thing. Everyone is 100%. right. When, when people say, I'll just get them in season. It's like, but you're going to fight everybody. And I think we underestimate the resources spent in fab yep. to do that. Because even me, if I have my Ryan Presley and my Giovanni Gallegos, I'm still going to go for somebody right. who's a full-time closer now even if i won't put as much as you i'm still going to make you pay some. so you're always paying for that so i want to get my guys doesn't necessarily have to be hendrix and hater i mentioned two guys i really like presley and gallegos um, i know there's concern that gallegos won't be the full-time guy he was a top 15 reliever last year with like 16 saves if he can get low 20s i'll take that right look what emmanuel Classe did with 20 something saves look what jordan romano did i think gallegos can be that guy um you know i think mark melanson's boring as heck and and nobody wants him because he's on arizona he's going to be the guy though right they're going to press the ninth inning button not every team does that and it's always this battle right because in my head i know that it's very smart to use giovanni gallegos as a fireman and bring him in in the seventh if the bases are loaded or the eighth not always saving him for the save, but my fantasy heart says, I hate that so much. So it's this battle where I, I, I the, the smarter usage of bullpens, 
I respect it from a baseball standpoint, but from a fantasy standpoint, it does make life a bit more difficult. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not trying to play in the back end there. I'm not looking to get the Barlow brothers, Scott and, and Joe. <laughs> they're not brothers, but you know, I don't want those to be my two closers because they're on bad teams. They're not uber guaranteed for the job. That's not the way I want to play. Right. I don't want my resources to have to be spent on closers all year. Right, and I think it's uh, something I've done many times over is also target those elite middle relievers you know in yes. in when uh Batances was in his prime with Loved getting you know him. like get that elite whip the elite strikeout rate and then get the vulture saves get the five mm-hmm. to ten saves that come and we're seeing that more and more rest matters uh, a Chapman is not going to close out every game for the Yankees he's just not so Jonathan Loizaga whose name I always mispronounce oh uh, I love Loizaga Johnny Lasagna baby exactly he's so, good. so it's those are the guys I'm targeting in those later rounds rather than dart throws at closers I'm getting elite middle relievers who can either mature into the job during the season or give me those vulture times, still giving me great stats along the way. I do want to transition to starting pitching here and and injuries overall. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. I wrote it down here, so you read it. But I don't know if you remember. A few years back, you and I went back and forth on, on Nelson Cruz. I called him injury prone. You called me out on it, rightfully so. He wasn't. It was a, it was like a 90-game stretch and then maybe a 40-game stretch, and then he was suspended for PEDs. I, and, I do recall that. And, by the and so we went back and forth, and and uh, I walked away with my tail between my legs eventually, and and uh, but we, we stayed friends. Exactly we right. Here we are. We, um, didn't, we didn't just hate on each other. Well, you say, I mean, so many people do that on Twitter, and it baffles my mind. But um, I, I wonder how you're handling injuries, and the term injury prone is probably much like sample size overused sure. in sports. But with someone like Mike Trout, with someone like Jacob Degrom. Are you seeing their ADP as pricing in their injuries, as pricing in the question marks around them, or do you still have enough pause that maybe these are guys who you'll let someone else deal with the potential headache, or obviously these guys could be one-two in value come the end of the year? Yeah, on those two specifically, they're so good. You know, I, I kind of have a thing with if everything is in place but health. I'm open to taking that guy because health is so uh, volatile. And yes, there are certain guys that have chronic injuries for injury prone. For me, uh, it has to be something that's shown to be chronic you and know, recurring, multiple injuries. Right? Same, yeah, recurring. Yeah. yeah. Same spot, same areas. Doesn't have to always be the hamstring, but if it's always lower body, you start to see, okay, it's all in this left back leg injuries for power the guys and, yeah, or the, or the, the back that's that always worrisome with Kershaw and Michael Brantley, two guys that come off the top of my head. Uh, Yelich starting to develop a little bit of a back issue. Interestingly enough, people say we look similar, which is very nice to me. Very rude to him. <laughs> but um, I also have a terrible back. So we really are yeah. similar you in could a lot be of different ways. Playing in the, the big leagues there it is exactly uh, but no as, as far as the degrom and trout and like verlander like i'm already betting i'm already in on verlander right because the second that he goes on the mound and, and throws 97 in a spring training game his price is going to go through the roof right. so i'm going to take the price now and i understand that can blow up on me i totally totally get that but it's a risk i'm willing to take because for me verlander's a unicorn he's a guy that i think can get back even with the time off even being near 40 he can get back and be a great pitcher again for 160 innings this year degrom we know he's a complete god it's just about the health I'm willing to take the discount of the eighth overall pitcher. It's only pick 24. So he's only going into the second right. round, but up in that range, that's a big dip from number one to 24 or top three to, to uh, you know, back end of the second round. I'm interested in that trout as well. I'm also of the mind that when I, I, I guess I should say if it's not a guarantee, but if trout gets back fully healthy, mm-hmm. 
I think the steals will get back on track too. Um, I know we, we have kind of abandoned them and felt like, okay, he's, he's done running. And to a degree, I get that. His last full season was 2019, uh, 600 plate appearances, 11 steals. And then one in, in 2020 and just two last year in the 36 games. But he's only 30. Steals are so much will and player driven that uh, I think a fully healthy season, he'll get back into the 20s. I can buy him not needing to expect that speed. Right. Now that he's picked 14, he's back into the first round. I would do a, by the way, if I pick 15 uh, and they're both there, I would go Trout, DeGrom on, on certain builds. Um, I'm open to doing that just because I realize it's super volatile because of their health, but the upside is massive. Immense, I could have yeah. two, you know, top three talents there uh, overall. So yeah, when it comes to health, if the talent is already there, I'm willing to take the gamble. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stan, Giancarlo Stan, I've been saying this for years with him, right? It's always, he's such a risk. You can't take him. Like, I understand the risk. I always felt like it was priced in pretty appropriately right. with him that I could spike a 59 homer MVP season in 2017, which I did. Now, then the following year, he played 158 games as well, but he was, he was priced very high. But for so many years, he's priced lower than he should be. Um, and, and I was willing to take it because if I get the health, he's an absolute beast. So it's individually based, but for the most part, injuries don't scare me as much as they do most people, because I don't think we're as strong at predicting injuries as we believe we are. Oh yeah. I, I, I only play a doctor on television. I'm not actually one. So um, I think that's spot on. And I think, you know, Stanton's such a great example of, of that. And you got to be ahead of the market a little bit, right? It's the same. You talk about the stock market, not a direct correlation, but you don't want to get in at the high. <laughs> exactly. Like, you want to buy on the dip. And I know crypto bros would disagree on some of those, <laughs> but uh, it's fine. I think that's a great answer. And I'm, I'm in on trout Degrom. The, the elbow will be in the back of my brain so much sure. um, that I probably am not as bullish, but I can understand being so. And I think you hit it as well we're talking in a way that we're playing multiple leagues, right? We're exactly. playing in you know, exactly. lots of different, uh, we NFBC have our portfolio. Built. Exactly. And so your home league, you might be a little less, you know, risk, uh, uh seeking a little bit more risk reverse. And uh, I totally get that. So. And, and I, I, I envy the folks who are one leaguers or even two leaguers because those are their guys for the summer. Yep. And that's awesome. I could never get back to that just because of the commitments that I have. Right. Uh, but it's, it's awesome to, to have that. And like, these are my guys, well, this is my team. NFBC and even DFS turns it on in my brain of like, Oh, I got Chapman going here, but Oh, he's facing, can I get a double because I have you know the hitter in a points league but if <laughs> so I get I'll just the, take the save exactly. I'll get the base hit and then it gets a double play right after exactly that. right. that'll be perfect that'll who, be perfect who are some of the names uh, I know uh, you have extensive research you have names that we could probably dip into the minor leagues sure. but let, let's talk late round pitchers who um, or at least piquing your interest right now, you might have shares of, you might have representation on rosters, guys that you find interesting in the later rounds. I got, I got plenty, and I can, I can run the gamut here in all different types. Uh, let me start out with the, with the Giants and, and the the double Alexes there, Wood and Cobb. Talk about injury guys. These guys uh, have them in abundance. Yet when they pitch, they're usually very, very good. Um, Wood already shown some success in San Francisco Cobb going out there this year. We love what they do with pitchers. It's not just their park. The park definitely helps, but they are, are, are sharp with what they do with pitchers. Now this will be a year without Buster Posey. And we'll see if a little bit of that, a little bit of that magic goes away. I don't think it'll crater their pitchers, yep. uh, but I like both Alex Wood, Alex Cobb. 
Um, I think it's uh, up and comers like Tanner Houck. I know he's a very popular sleeper. He's going to become what I call a wide awake sleeper, which is <laughs> when they appear on everybody's list, they are no longer a sleeper. But for now, he's kind of still living in that sleeperville. The second he gets named a rotation spot, though, if he does, uh, if Boston gives Tanner Houck a spot, that 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 skyrockets. I promise. Uh, Tristan McKenzie. Not just because we are built the, the exact same. He's 6'5", 170. <laughs> uh, his nickname is Sticks. Perfect. So, yeah, we're both a couple of stop signs out here. So it's nice to be able to see, you know, people talk about representation. I'm, I'm not making light of representation, by the way. It is very important. But, uh, uh, you know, it is nice to see what I would look like if I made it to the majors. Because right. we literally have the same frame, which is the nerving, uh, unnerving part about him. Can he hold up for 170 innings a year? Right on that frame so far it's been a challenge but i i love the talent with tristan mckenzie cleveland another team i kind of inherently trust that's why i'm still in on cal quantrill uh, or not still in as uh, he was brilliant in the second half but i i like what he did um i would even buy back on the zach plesak discount i didn't like him at all last year i thought he was way overpriced for off the off the uh 2020 you talk about sample size i thought 2020 was worthless and um, I didn't fully draft like that because it, it was hard to ignore uh, it completely. But for the most part, it was, in terms of telling us much, it was pretty worthless. Uh, some thought it turned Zach Plesak into a stud. And I'm, I'm not trying to pound my chest like, oh, I got that right. He was just a fade for me. But now that the price has changed, you talk about the market up and down, everything's based on a player's price. Zach Plesak, now a bit more right. viable for me. Um, Jordan Montgomery, somebody I think still has another level yep. for the Yankees. I love that curveball. Um, staying in New York, going to the other team, Tyler McGill, Tyler Miguel, if you will. Right. Uh, I think it's just pronounced Tyler, though. But I, I like him for the Mets. I know some are worried that he might not get that fifth starters role if they sign somebody after the lockout. But even if they do, uh, no team just uses five guys all year. To that same extent, Aaron Ashby. I know Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser are penciled in right now, leaving him on the outside looking in. I think Aaron Ashby is better than Hauser. Maybe not Lauer. I really like Lauer, but uh, I will buy Aaron Ashby by skills, not roles. You know, uh, the deeper the league, it's easier right. to deeper buy the league, Deeper in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, moving up a little bit for, for our shallow folks, because some of these guys will be later uh, in those league types. I like the Drew Rasmussen, Luis Patino combo in Tampa Bay. I like either of them, probably not both on the same team. Right but I, I like either. I want to know where you come out on this guy, Ranger Suarez. I'm, I'm a bit in on, on his breakout. I know Nick Pollock beats the drum about how easy the schedule was, but man, it was so exemplary that I think there's something here. Where, where do you, before I give a couple other names, where do you come out on Ranger Suarez? I've actually, he's, he's been checkmarked on my uh, projections as somebody that I want to target. I've not drafted yet, uh, but he okay. is, he, the, the stats just seem to beg more, focus and yeah, more I, more of a dig i understand strength of schedule and honestly sure. again do not that's not something i always look back at uh, but again Same. projections wise the projections i'm using and tweaking a little bit do like him and so we're looking at the schedule so good yeah so i i'm it, in i'm maybe not as in as you might be uh but i he he will show up on teams probably drafting ahead of where adp is yeah uh, another shallow league uh, sleeper type is Joe Ryan for the Twins. Came okay. over from the Rays. 
for me, he's a guy who comes fully developed, right? He's going to be 26 this year. So we're not w- waiting for a bunch of growth. I think we saw a glimpse of what he could do last year with the 405 ERA and .79 whip. He didn't allow any base runners. The reason the ERA was so high was home runs. So he's one of those control artists that could maybe use a little bit more, uh, a little bit more command, uh, meaning put the ball in the spots that you want, not just in the zone, but in the difficult spots to hit, cut that home run rate a little bit and take off. I really, really like Joe Ryan. College guy, right? Like he was a college. Yeah, yeah. He all right. That's twenty six yeah, after college. And he's and got, um, yeah. He went to Northridge, uh, CS Northridge. Actually, he went to two different schools. I don't know that what happens CS a lot. Stanislaus <laughs> is, but that does happen a lot in uh, Stanislaus State Warriors in the California Collegiate Athletic Association. Mm. Anyway, yeah, he was in college till twenty two. Um, he's got a awesome fastball. It's not very fast. It's like ninety two, but the deception on it is insane, and that's what's made Joe Ryan so good. So I really like him in Minnesota. Sticking with Minnesota, Bailey Ober, same issue. Doesn't walk anybody, but gives up homers left and right. If he can figure that out, they can both get a little bit more command in the zone. They can both take off. And then one last one, Reed Detmers with the Angels. Nothing in that sample is going to jump out to you and be like, yo, I got to draft him because it wasn't very good. But if you watch the innings that he pitched, I want to say it was like 15 innings of work. You can see the, the raw stuff. Uh, it was 20 and two thirds. Like you can see the raw stuff in Reed Detmers. He's a premium pick. He's going to be 22 years old next year. I still think there's a ton of talent here right. with, with Reed Detmers and they need pitching in LA. Right. So I, I like Reed Detmers that's, that's too. That, story, that's a deeper league one. That's the story we hear. Uh, Reed Detmers born after I graduated high school. <laughs> so, so there's that. So oh, brutal. Lord. So uh, brutal. I know you. We're you, getting old, Dan. Uh, yeah, I'm already there. Uh, the, the chat is coming up for you. I know you have uh, some things you have to get to from your day job, which is not my day job. Um, I need food. Uh, yes. This is being this is the dish. I'm trying to transition here. Maybe make a coffee table book or something. Um, what's your favorite dish for drafting? What do you go to? What's your snacks? What do you eat? I'm a candy person, oh, so all right. I, I don't necessarily have like a meal with me, but I'm I'm gonna be having my candy. I'm gonna be having my Swedish fish, or I don't know if you know this. They talk about like legalizing marijuana or whatever. Yeah, they've legalized crack, which is crazy because these are crack. <laughs> these are nerds gummy clusters. Everybody I tell to try them loses their absolute mind at them. All right. If you like candy, they're insane. All right, you might have had a nerd rope. They're different than nerd rope. They're more densely packed with the nerds. They're unbelievable. So you'll, you'll find me in Vegas at the main event with a bag of uh, of gummy clusters there. Just don't, course, don't show up like, you know, curled up in a ball because of the, I won't. like in the corner like that. I won't, but you'll also, of course, find right. me with my Red Bulls, right. uh, my sugar-free Red Bull. You know, it's, it's, I can't quit it. So I'm more of a snacks guy when it comes to drafting. I'm going to have my candy. I'm going to have my water bottle and my Red Bull. And uh, I'm going to be staying hydrated and sugared up. <laughs> Paul, I know most people know already, but where can we find your work? Uh, where can we find more from you throughout the season? Find me online at uh, at Spore. That's Twitch twitch.tv slash Spore, where I stream. We didn't even talk uh, about your, your MLB The Show uh, stuff, but we can talk about and, that at a different and the, time. And the new, one, the new one's coming out on April, in April. I can't wait. But uh, uh, twitter.com slash Spore, uh, fantasy.fangraphs.com. Uh, it's high gear now, right? Usually for a lot of people, with Super Bowl is kind of that point of demarcation where if you're a football and baseball guy, you get back into baseball. So we're about to get the, the, the stampede's coming. You can right. kind of hear it in the distance. That's all the football people getting ready to come over uh after next week when when the super bowl is done so i'm excited i know we have the labor issue which is looming and it's not good right now 
but we're going to have a season. We might miss a little bit of spring training, but I still have a, I still have a, 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 a tinge of optimism here. So find me on Twitter, find me on Twitch. I'm still doing baseball all the way. I'm still operating as though the season will start pretty close to on time. There you have it. He gave you everywhere you can find him. For everyone listening, I hope continue to have happy drafting.